0: Hello and welcome to the History of Colonisation podcast. In the last episode, we had an interview with Professor Roman Bertrand on Enric of Malacca. We covered what we know about his life, his role in the first circumnavigation of the world, and his legacy. In this second episode on Enric, we look at his characterization in a Malay novel from 1957, namely Harun Aminu Rashid's Panglima Awang, and we'll see how the figure of Enric and the story of the circumnavigation has been altered for post-colonial nationalist literature in Malaya. And so in this episode, we have an educator and writer who specialises in Malay post-colonial literature for an interview. Here it is.
1: Today we have with us uh, Dr. pichay who is an author interested in post-colonial Malay literature. And he won the Singapore Literature Prize this year for Best Creative Non-Fiction Book in Malay, uh, with the book titled The Philosophy of Singapore-Malay Creative Writing Process. So, Dr. Fitching,
2: would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, yeah, sure. So, thank you, Fidelity. Um, basically, I'm an educator, a researcher, as well as a writer. I've, um, my area of specialties actually is linguistics. Uh, that's where I got my PhD on linguistics. Uh, but I'm also greatly involved in the uh, Singapore Writers Movement. So, that's where I'm involved in literature as well. Um, basically, i have uh, involved in the... Uh, I was in the ASAS 15, that was the uh, post-independence, sorry, uh, pre-independence uh, Malay Literature Group uh, formed in Singapore actually in the 1950s. Um, and then uh, I'm also involved as academic advisor for certain institution as well. Basically I'm into uh, research and normally when I do my research, I also look at the creative aspect on how I can evolve the information into uh, something that is more digestible by the uh, the masses, right? So that's where it, uh, it came about. The book that I wrote, uh, that won the Literature Prize, uh, It's about the creative uh, processes of philosophy of the creative uh, writers in Singapore. Uh, in that book, basically, it discusses about the various aspect of the Singapore Malay literature uh, by the various legend authors. You know, we have. Uh, Basically, about five to six legendary authors. Harun Amir Rashid is one of them, um, and then we have uh, Muhammad Latif, Muhammad Masuri Hasan, Arif Ahmad, as well as Abdul Ghani Hamid. So these authors, uh, I've done biography on them as well. Uh, so I thought it would be nice to actually uh, kind of uh, filter it and put it into uh, a book that can help uh, to immortalize them. Uh, because their works are superb works basically, and, and it's a representation of post-colonial works as well as uh, what is uh, to be uh, something that we can think about that can happen in the future as well. So that, that's why I decided to put them in. But apart from that, there are also elements of uh, uh, the, the concept of religion in the in, in literature, as well as the concept of national literature in, in the face of um, of the region. Right, regional literature as well. right? So uh, that book basically has those elements and I think what is special about the book is the fact that like I said earlier on, uh, it has been simplified. Uh, it has that academic quality as well but as well as uh, the ability to reach to the masses because the whole idea is to make literature continue, right? to continue the process and especially the younger authors as well so that they realize what are those things that are necessary or important uh, and later on, when we go into Harun Amin Rashid, we will see that there are many, many superb elements that, that we should mm. uh, continue uh, to, to adapt or adopt in our writings. Yeah. Okay, so, that's a great yeah. summary of your book, I think.
1: Um, so, <laughs> yes. let's move on to Harun Amin Rashid's um, novel, which we're interested in today, on Enric of Malacca, which uh, was titled... Panglima Awang in 1957 and this um, novel rewrites this great narrative of exploration from Enric's perspective and it renames him Awang instead of Enric which was his baptised name. And so let's start off with the author. So who was Harun Amin Rashid? All
2: right. Uh, Harun Amin Rashid, uh, his actual name is Harun bin Mohamad Amin. He was born uh, in August 1907 in the Kampung Tuluk Kurau, Singapore. Right? Mm So he studied in the Malay schools, uh, Sekolah Melayu Kampung Gelam, Sekolah Melayu Kallang, and Sekolah Gelang. Right, and in 1922 he was offered to become a teacher in uh, Telok Kurau School. So he taught there for a while, and in 1924 he took an exam, an entry exam, entrance exam to go into Sultan Idris Training College to be a training teacher. Okay, Sultan Idris Training College is in Perak, right? It is considered like the Harvard of, of, of the East at the time, you know what I mean? for, for Malay teachers. It's the best institution ever because it was run by the British themselves. Right? Oti Doucette was there as the principal then. right, And then he was made the teacher in uh, SITC itself, so tertiary college. He became a lecturer there uh, to teach math. Then in 1939, he was so-called transferred to Brunei Darussalam to become the superintendent of Malay education. Then after World War II, he was in prison right, for 86 days because the British felt that he was collaborating with the Japanese. Then after that, in 1946, he went back to Singapore uh, without any, any portfolio, no appointments or thing And he passed away on 9 November 1986 uh, when he was 19, uh, 79 years old in Singapore. So. And of course, in 1930, he publishes his first novel, Malo Kola Lumpur, when he was 25 years old, right? And um, that was one of a landmark novel, which is a very important novel that is, uh, which I explain later again, which which is a, a lot about woman emancipation and also feminism, very important novel, right? And of course, a follow by Panglima Awang, Wanak Panglima Awang, and so forth. And of course, being an author and a nationalist, he tend to be part of a political party. Right. So, he was involved with the Partai National Indonesia, right? Indonesian Nationalist Party, which is, is an underground movement. Uh, then, of course, he started the Melayu Raya newspaper.
1: So, I think let's zoom in on a novel, Pangliman Awang. So, what was the novel about? Could you summarize the novel first? Pangliman
2: Awang is basically centered on the era of Malacca Sultanate, the downfall of Malacca Sultanate, right? And it's, uh, and it's centered around Alfonso de Albuquerque, who was there, right? He was leading the, 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 the colonization of, of Malacca. And uh, it basically shows how this uh, group of young people and Pongli, led by Panglima Awam, is trying their best to uh, get back Malacca, right? to to remove these nationalists, uh, these uh, colonials. Uh, basically they were angry because they were not respected. They, so um, at the same time when Mleka was taken over by uh, the Sultan and his group uh, they retreated to Johor. Right? So uh, the Sultan was not there, it's only them the, the fighters uh, trying to take over. He was later captured. Right, and when he was captured, uh, Alfonso have a different approach towards him, and and some of the uh, key warriors, whereby he treated them nicely instead of trying to uh, torture them. Right? So what happened was there was Captain Fernando, uh, Magellan, right? Uh, he was there, so Alfonso gave uh, for that Palimaong uh, to him to take to be taken care of, right, and to make sure that. To be tame, so called, so that uh, Panglima Awang will side them, right, and work with them. Uh, but Fernando is a different person. He's a very nice person. He's very humane. He, he don't agree with all this whatever is happening there, right? Uh, so when he took Awang, he's supposed to bring him to uh, Portugal, right, and then there he's supposed to do something with him, right? So when he took Awang, he looked at Awang, and then finally he decided that uh, he wants to help Awang. So that's where the, the name Enric comes in. Right? So uh, he, he said we must call you Enric, alright, And to show that you are a Christian now, so-called, right? So uh, Panglimao agreed, and after that Panglimao agrees and realized that uh, Fernando is a very Fernando is a very, is a very nice guy, right? and uh, he followed him to, to Portugal, and that's where he met uh, his family. All right. um, of course, uh, it's a bit of a classical context, you know, where, he, where Palima Awam has been portrayed as a very uh, strong, powerful person, very handsome, good-looking, you know, uh, nice, can talk many languages and so forth. And of course, Mariam, the sister to uh, Perdino's sister, kind of fall in love with him and wanted him to be, you know, to follow him. But of course, uh, as, an, as a hero in this camp, he did not want because he already got a fiance, which is Tung back home, right? What about that? Uh, Captain Fernando, uh, people, the Portuguese, hated him because he cited the so-called Malay right they hated him for that. He cited a slave, which they consider a slave. So Fernando decided to buy Awang over from uh, Alfonso. right? So he paid and then he got Awang and then he said, Awang, we have to go out get out of here and I want to go to travel the world and we go to Spain because the Spain king wants more exploratory uh, things, right? exploration to be done. So they went to Spain and then that's where the journey to, to, to prove that the world is round started. Right? Uh, so along the way, of course, they, they, they met many things and then finally they went uh, to, to the uh, Philippines, the Cebu Island, where the king loves them so much, and then but the king asked them for a favor. The, the king wants them to attack the Maktan. Uh, of course, Ferdinand, uh, sorry, uh, Fernando is not interested in that, but he has to do it for the sake of friendship, to establish friendship. So he went, but it was a fail failure because uh, he was killed there, and that's where uh, Awang actually took over the leadership. Okay, so from there. Awang returned back to Malayka, right? And then he met. Uh, suddenly in Malayka, there was another movement known as Tun Fatima. So he wanted to know who is this Tun Fatima movement, comprising of ladies, basically, right? Then after that, he went there and finally he met. Actually, it was his John who was leading the team, right? And of course, it's a happy ending, right? And then they finally met and then they decided to go to Pahang to meet the king and so forth. So, in a nutshell, that is about the novel, all right? It's about the Portuguese coming in, Awang going out, and then he went to sail around the world, and that's where he was considered as the first Malay, or the Malay to be the first person to travel the world, uh, because Fernando or Magellan was there after that, and Awang so-called continued the journey.
0: Have you ever heard of the Vietnamese sisters who led the revolution against the Han Dynasty? or the Achenese woman admiral who commanded an army of widows. How about the world's largest matrilineal society in the highlands of West Sumatra? There's a whole world waiting for you in the Her Story, Southeast Asia podcast. Episode by episode, we tell the history of Southeast Asia from her perspective. Join me, Agas Ramirez, as we discover the queens, commanders, and pioneers who don't normally make it into your textbooks. Her Story is available wherever you listen to podcasts, Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at HerStorySeaPod. That's Her Story S-E-A, Pod.
1: In the novel, it's very curious that they actually, Harun portrays Magellan in such a kind you know, like, men and religious men, you know, whereas like the other colonists, such as Elbekeke, uh, Vasco da Gerber, they're all evil, and they just want to exploit. And so why do you think Harun would portray one colonizer as, you know, a good person? You would think that with nationalist movements, you would see um, the colonizers as exploitators. But why that one nice person?
2: Yeah, okay, I think basically, um, if if you look at all Haru novels, uh, he is very uh, balanced in terms of his uh, so called uh, nationalism, right? Uh, Because he believes that not everybody is bad, right? And not everybody is good. You see, people are angry with the British or even the Japanese in that sense, right? As a whole, they are colonials. They are colonizers. They come in. They, you know, they they trade a lot of things, uh, unhappiness, you know. But he also want to show that uh, apart from that, there are those who are good people you know, that can actually help us uh, and bring us back to glory. Right? That's what Captain did. Right? Captain Fernando actually uh, brings Haruns up, uh, Awang up from nothing into something very big. So basically, if you notice, uh, this uh, novel being published is around the time of independence. Right? Malaya achieved independence in 1957 and Harun published it in 1957. So basically, he want to show that not to be angry towards the colonizer, but also to work with them. Right? So they came in, they, they have benefited from us in a way. But at the same time, you can also benefit from them because there are good people there. You know, we can work with as well. So I think it's all about opening up the mind of the people to to be more tactful, to be more uh, diplomatic, to be uh, strategic as well, all right, In in relationship, right? not to just throw away something that we think is bad, but also to look at it and you know scrutinize it. There are some good things inside that perhaps we can take as well. So that's why he purposely, I think, I think right. Uh, uh, identify one person inside there who is good. Right? But that one person has a family that is good as well. Right? Yeah. And that one person also has other contacts that also likes other people as well. That doesn't look down on others. So in that sense, it shows that uh, the concept of uh, basically everybody is bad. you know, It, it, it it's not, should not be something that, that we should uh, adopt. But actually, we should be more meticulous or careful. Because there are good things, even though something bad has happened.
1: Yeah, I guess as a, I mean, as a history student, it's sort of curious that he chooses Magellan, just because I don't think there was any um, historical source that actually states that Magellan was kind to Awang. I think it was just because Harun needed a figure, and so Magellan just happened to be the person closest to Awang, and so he chose Magellan. But whether that's brutal in historical fact, I, I'm a bit doubtful about that, I think.
2: Actually, there's two articles that Harun read before he wrote uh. Mm-hmm. The Tunis paper article, uh, which actually shares about this uh, Magalan traveling around the world and there's a Malay man inside it with him and the fact that he was killed. So, so, so Harun based on these two newspaper articles before he actually started writing uh, Awang, I mean, to what extent, uh, there could be to a certain extent because for a Malay uh, and I mean that time where you know, I mean, or, or, or colonizers, they have different perception of this, uh, of us, right? Of the people that they colonize. Henceforth, when you have somebody that is been taken with uh, by the colonizer and take that person in to be with them, perhaps there could be some kind of relationship. Look at the experience of another great author uh, who the British love so much, and he works for Raffles as well. It shows there's a, there's a possibility, you know, that there is such a good relationship. Uh, Because through that, and that relationship was recorded through letters, to everything, there's documents to it. So perhaps, based on that, Harun read about that person and he kind of see the similarity, the possibility of such a similarity. Uh, That person is, I don't know whether you know him, uh, Abla Munshi. Abla Munshi. Okay, Abla Munshi, he wrote a book on Plairan Abdullah, the the Traveler of Abdullah. All right, and Abdullah Munshi is, uh, is one good example of how British love him and, and you know, helped him out and, and built him because he's a, he's a very smart intellectual person right. and, and their relationship is there. and Abdullah also interestingly inter- interpreted the Bible into the Malay language right. to that extent of good relationship that they have. Right. And so because of that, I believe I don't look at it in the same way, uh, there is such a possibility that, that Malay guy with my might
1: have a close relationship. Uh, let's move on to the structure of the novel. So I've read that a novel follows this uh, traditional Malay literature trope called a uh, panji romance. It goes from having an identity and belonging to alienation in uh, Portugal. And then he finds his way back home and his identity is reclaimed again. But Do you think there are any other elements of traditional Malay literature in the novel? And does it combine any modern elements, Western elements, colonial elements in the writing of the novel?
2: Um, I think the novel, uh, interestingly, uh, of course, there is the element of the traditional elements, right? Where you have the hero, like I said earlier on, right? Which is good in everything, basically, and he cannot die, right? I mean, that is in terms of the character, portrayal of character right, is there. Uh, the plot is somewhere there as well, a bit traditional. And of course, the background itself is a traditional background. They use It's based on uh, the Kaya, and right, the classical text. Um, but in terms of the, uh, the interpretation of the underlining uh, messages, it is clearly modern uh, because it is, it is going towards independence and the elements of modernization is there. Going towards independence, the royalty will definitely be questioned. question. Right? Do we still need royal people? What are their contributions? Also? So, that, that is one element that I saw uh, in terms of the modern uh, trope. If you look at uh, another one is basically um, how he, he actually fight for women, right? Woman emancipation, right? how he tried to portray women uh, uh, just as good as men. Women can fight as well. Woman can achieve excellence as men, as men is. You see. Uh, this is something that is not modern at that time, but is starting, right? it's starting. In classical texts, you will not find, uh, there could be some panjis or hikayat that has about women having certain uh, elements, right? but not much. But now, Harun is putting it in a different context, right? where he actually expands it further uh, to include women as fighters, you know, women as being the uh, supporting men, not only as a supporter, but also doing it as well. Right? That is in Panglima Awang. So, what I'm trying to say is, in terms of the background, it is basically classical. Uh, but in terms of the messages that he's trying to send, it's really, really uh, contemporary to that time in the sense that he wants people understand that we are going to be independent, yes. But are we ready to be independent? And how to be ready to, to go into independence? Because when the British leave, we'll be alone, right? So are we ready to get back our country? We are getting it back. Right? Panima Awong is like a movement getting back Malaysia, so-called, right? So, Panima comeback come back means we're going to get back our Malaysia, which they get back, of course. <laughs> uh, but the point is, what's next after
1: that? Um, would you say that Pangliman awang is like a sort of metaphor representation of you know, the entire Malay community.
2: Oh, this is superb. Okay. <laughs> you know why? It's very, very interesting. You know? It's very interesting. You know why? Because, okay. Uh, you know the term awang, right? The word awang, yeah. awang in Brunei, every guy, a normal person, will be known as awang. All right? If I go to Brunei, they will call me awang pichin. Those who have some kind of connection with the royalty, they will be called Awangku or Dayangku. There's a ku behind it, right? And those who directly have link with the royalties, they will be called Tony Okay. So interestingly, uh, awang would definitely means a generic term for all guys. Right? Or it could be uh, gender-based, lah, you know, like that. But Harun was in Brunei for a while, right? So he was there for a while. Okay, he could be exposed to that. Right? So, when he came back from Brunei, that's why he started writing his novel. So, what I can see, uh, I mean, I agree to the fact that Awang is a generic term to represent all the Malays to be that kind of person if you want to create a successful uh, uh, nation. Right? So, in nation building, we have to be proactive, we have to be strong, we have to be strategic, we have to be tolerant, we have to, be, we have to hold to our values, we have to hold our history, our heritage, and we have to realize our dreams and aspirations, not at the expense of others, but together in a global context. That is our one, and I think that's what he wants all the Malay people to be when they reach independence in 1957, I guess.
1: I also saw it as a metaphor for Malay people, just because under colonial rule, you know, we were all, I mean, Malay people were all lost, and, you know, we were sort of in a foreign land, you we know, by foreigners but then Panglima Awang returns to Malacca and that is the post-colonial, it can be seen that way too. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I, I guess this is a more general question You know, on post-colonial Malay literature. So what do you think is the role of post-colonial nationalist Malay literature in popular memories of colonisation, of post-colonisation? What do they represent and what do they seek to share with readers, general readers? Colonization?
2: Yeah, I think basically post colonial uh, literature is basically to, to of course, it's, it's some kind of social memory as well, but at the same time, it's trying to um, make us realize, readers realize, you know, the fact that they are what they are because of circumstances, right? And it's not because they are such. Right? So sometimes we talk about cultural deficit theory, for instance, right? So Who's colonial literature trying, I think, to to make people realize that it's not about cultural deficit, but it's basically about uh, circumstances that happen, that shape us into such a situation, right? Because if you look at the British, for instance, uh, the the experience of the Malay, for instance, there's a lot of writings on this, whereby uh, it's about education, how they were deprived of good education, and as such, they become such now, right? I mean, there's these arguments. So uh, through literature, they will share all of these things, you know, and uh, from there, readers might realize that look, it's not because they are such, but because of circumstances, and of course, uh, how they can be better and what they can learn. All right, so I think that's the role of apart, apart from others. There is one role that I can see, if you based on Harun uh, or some of the Malay authors that we have, is basically to make us realize the importance of moving up and realise the truth behind our situation and how to be better. And that's what I observe from most, until today, those post-colonial works, even poetry or short stories, I think that is the most issue that has been shown. Okay, I think
1: that's a good place to end off. So thank you for your time, Dr Pichet. Yes.
0: Thank you for tuning into the interview with Dr Pichet. I hope you learned something from this episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider shipping in at buymeacoffee.com slash hocpodcast. Major thanks to Daniel for supporting this podcast on Buy Me A Coffee. Stay tuned for the next episode.